We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast. Back again after a one week hiatus, John McKechnie and Mario Puig here with you, getting you set. We're one week away from the draft. Mario, how you doing, man? I just want to talk a lot more, or we've already talked about it a little bit, but I'd like to keep talking, ideally for the rest of all time, about uh, is Josh Allen going to go first overall? Is he going to go second or third? I love which the one? way the waves with with which like this is coming. It's like you know, it, it kind of started out beginning of the NFL season, like okay, may, maybe that's something, and then it picks up steam, and then everyone shoots it down. It's like a zombie. It, you know, or like uh, Michael Myers, more more like it, where like you think it's dead, you think like there's been I enough wish it was ammo Myers. pumped I, into it. I would but, love to be killed instead of having to listen to this longer, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's like an ineffective zombie, like a, a buffoonish Michael Myers imitator. It's just it's just too much. I can't wait for it to end. But it yeah, it never seems to, and you know, like uh, you know, we're gonna think it, it's over. Um, you know, after the after the draft next week, and then you know every move that he makes at min, rookie mini camp mm-hmm. and OTAs is also just going to be ridiculously overanalyzed. And there's all this talk of like, oh, the Browns might draft him. I think it's going to be the Bills somehow. And maybe they trade up. Maybe they get him at 12. I don't I don't care. I think it's the Bills. But the Bills have a terrible offensive line. Like if they gave away Cordy Glenn and now they, they just don't really have anything on the off- offensive line. Obviously not much at the receiver position either. Right. So what's going to happen is they're going to draft him. He's going to be terrible. <laughs> like really really bad and yet he will make like three pro bowls because people are gonna you know they're gonna say like well he has such a bad offensive line it's just like at wyoming he has it's so unfair he has to carry this team (laughs) no he's such a good quarterback such a good boy but it's just he's just not getting any help it's too realistic like yeah i can i see this uh, a decade of of excuses unfolding yeah absolutely so gosh yeah here we are and yeah, it's just not get, not going away anytime soon. But before we, you know, let's take a break from the from the Josh Allen stuff for a second. Uh, you've been kind of spearheading uh, Rotowire's Draft.com coverage, which is a, a little bit different. It's more like um, it's been best ball leagues. So you're kind of being able to get an early read on the markets for uh, for how the, how uh, drafts draft season is going to go, uh, like fantasy draft season. Um, so what have you seen so far? What have been some players that you find have uh, gotten some some ridiculous value for you and some guys that have been kind of reaches by the consensus? Yeah, so this is not uh, 
prompted by anything in particular. I just thought these these subjects were kind of interesting as I was looking at all these best ball drafts on draft.com and I haven't heard many people talking about specifically, you know, with with very specific predictions or just general analysis about how Derrick Henry is going to fit into the Tennessee offense, how Sammy Watkins is going to fit into the Kansas City offense. Both of these players are players I'm higher on than most people, I think. Yeah. And particularly after the Deion Lewis signing, people are lower on Henry than it feels like. It feels like they're even lower on him than when before DeMarco Murray got there or something. Before DeMarco Murray got cut. It doesn't add up to me. I don't really understand what people are looking at. Um, but yeah, so we're seeing in Henry's case, I think the current market, at least on Draft.com and their best ball leagues, I'm not sure what the MFL 10 sort of ADP looks like but I'm guessing it's not terribly different because uh, I, I think the same people probably play at them both but we're seeing Henry fall a lot into the late third round and even going after Dion Lewis and I just I can't imagine how that I just can't imagine how that reasoning goes because it's one thing to say you know they're going to split the snaps or something sure. it's another to say Dion Lewis is going to outproduce him because he won't. It's not going to happen unless Derrick Henry gets hurt. So just let that go if anyone's considering it. It's not going to happen. Um, but what I think will happen is they'll both be pretty productive. Mm-hmm. Like neither one is likely to be like a top eight running back or something. But Henry falling to the late third, I'm getting him as like a running back two, and I'm loaded at receiver. And I'm at quarterback. I tend to wait until like the ninth round, and then I go like Mariota, uh, Mahomes, Trubisky sometimes in a row. Um, that's how that market is sh- shaping up uh, for my taste. So what other running backs are going around that late third uh, price tag? Uh, so Jerick McKinnon is going ahead of him like all the time. Oh boy! Okay. And uh, I should mention that uh, Draft.com's best ball is 0. 0.5 uh, PPR versus full PPR on MFL 10. Uh, I can see the case better for taking McKinnon that high on MFL 10's format, uh, the MFL format. Because, you know, an extra half point for every catch that McKinnon gets in this Shanahan offense could be a pretty significant boost. Sure. I don't see him getting red zone work. I don't see him playing the Devontae Freeman role. Like, people think he's going to be the Devontae Freeman in that offense. And maybe in the sense as in, like, no one else is closer to Freeman than him. But he can't do Devontae Freeman things. He does some things uh, better. Like, he's faster. He's quicker. But he has no leg drive. He can't Mm -hmm. break a tackle. Uh, Devonte Freeman is, if anything, kind of like the opposite. He ran like a, he barely got away from the four six mark in the forty. Uh, he's he's such a good runner, largely because of how good of an anchor uh, ability he has to, to sh- shed tacklers. Uh, it's not going to happen with McKinnon, and I think with McKinnon, the biggest problem is that lack of leg drive opens him up to competition. I think, and he was a backup last year to Latavius Murray. If it wasn't for Dalvin Cook tearing his ACL, he's the third running back on a team that didn't run the ball particularly well. Um, Tavius Murray's never really been much. So and he, he was in that organization for like three years before that. It's not like he showed up with a you know uh, no time to learn the playbook and just kind of sat behind Murray because of seniority. Right. Uh, so that's that's not really an excuse for it. And the thing is, when you have that combination of concerning traits – you're vulnerable, I think, to someone like a Rashad Penny or a Royce Freeman or even someone less than them, some like, f- you know, fourth, fifth round running back, I think could be a clear power improvement over McKinnon. And in that case, it's like, I think McKinnon will be good either way, but I don't think he's going to, you know, hold on to that red zone role very reliably. I think he belongs more in like the fourth, fifth round. Um, but yeah, I, those are the guys Joe Mixon, I think, is going ahead. Jordan Howard is going ahead. And especially like I like Howard, but like, if we're if we're so concerned about job security or whatever, uh, Jordan Howard is more vulnerable to a pass catching back than Derrick Henry is. Right. Like I, I like I like uh, Howard, but it's not even close. Like Derrick Henry is a much better runner. I think this is a guy's like pushing two hundred and fifty pounds, and he ran a faster forty yard dash than Dion Lewis did. So I think I think to go back to the Tennessee specifically, that offense specifically. Um, I think you're going to see with Malifor running that offense, they're going to run a lot of plays this year. They're going to be one of the most up-tempo offenses in the league. I think they'll be better generally. I think those two factors means that they're going to have a lot more extended drives in the pat- than in past years, more scoring opportunities than past years. And I think both Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis are going to be top 25 fantasy running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've, we've seen that happen before. It's not impossible for two running backs to be um, among you know the 
Yeah, when there's a, when there's ability. a competent offensive coordinator like that, that can totally happen. I mean, look at you know 2016 Atlanta with Devontae Freeman and with and with Tevin Coleman like that. Yes, both of those guys were great. Or you know even last year the biggest example Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I think it's gonna be not quite that because like Kamara plays so much receiver and I don't think Lewis can do that specifically or sure. at least not often. But uh, th- I think you have to consider the Titans. Uh, no less than like top three favorite to finish the league with the most rushing yardage. That's how I view them. And if that does happen, there's going to be enough room for both. Uh, but yeah, I ran some you know projections on the Titans. And the way it looks to me is I think you're going to see an offense where Mariota bounces back, first of all. Uh, I think both Rashard Matthews and Corey Davis do a little bit. I, th- I think Corey Davis is, I gave them, I should say, basically the same projection. And I think Matthews is going probably like, four rounds later so i definitely prefer matthews over davis at their current prices as much as i do like Corey davis quite a lot um but yeah the way i saw it coming out too was you have derrick henry finishing with about 12 to 1300 yards from scrimmage 12 to i don't know 16 rushing touchdowns then probably like another 200 yards receiving maybe a touchdown or two whereas Deion lewis does something like 600 yards rushing and then 400 500 receiving uh you know four to seven or eight touchdowns from scrimmage both top 25 uh both worth probably like top six round selections but i think it should be henry in the second lewis in the sixth okay that i mean that makes sense to me and you know based on based on your projections there um you know that there's something to be said for that and uh you know i think when lewis signed i think there was just generally uh, an overreaction from the public just, oh, yeah. just assuming that you know he's going to be able to build off of what he did in a bill belichick offense last year where you know everyone else kind of like fell by the wayside a little bit mm-hmm. um you know henry's like like scratching the surface of what he's going to be uh, at the nfl level so i mean uh, unlike having to beat out a rex burkhead you know he's going to mm-hmm. be beating out a guy like you said that's you know outweighs him by at least 30 pounds some odd pounds 50, 50 pounds okay yeah. and, and runs a faster pounds and he's slower it's than him. it's unbelievable and so. that's not even like i'm not even trying to like bash Deion lewis he's a good player it's just that people are underestimating derrick henry pretty badly yeah so that that's definitely like one of those market efficiencies uh in the in the early uh stages of where where drafts are kind of shaking out um another guy i know that you've been kind of keen on uh is sammy Watkins with his move out to kansas city so where have you been seeing him go like what's kind of his neighborhood uh as far as uh, where he's getting picked so just like with henry and lewis my projection is presuming a big season from Mariota, and that that is a big part of it it's like if your quarterback is dominating you're extending drives you're getting the chances to score touchdowns i think it's going to be a similar thing with kansas city i have very high expectations for pat mahomes it's a slightly different scenario in that andy reed is a pass happy coach but he's a zero tempo coach like he's stuck in the 90s he still has the coaching philosophy that like when you're on offense you run down the play clock so the other defense gets tired and your defense gets rest and that's how you win games and it's not really true it's like you sit on the ball when you have a safe lead and you don't presume you're safe as often as someone you know like reed might be inclined to think like you you sit on the lead when you got double digit points uh reed will sit on the ball on the first drive of the game and i there's a way that things can go especially well for Watkins, anti-Reek Hill, Travis Kelsey, everybody in that offense. If Reed takes a lesson from his offensive coordinator who just went to Chicago, Matt Nagy, because Nagy is of very much the newer philosophy of like you go up tempo, you have a ton of motion, you try to put stress on the defense any way you can, hurry them, make them uncomfortable, anything. And it worked really well when he took over as offensive coordinator last year when Reed's play calling was falling flat. So if Reed has like the humility to just look at what Nagy was doing differently and just look at the results and, right. and and take them for what they are he might adjust his approach a little and if he does if he does make his offense more up-tempo that could really be a scenario where everything takes off but even in the meantime even if we assume that Andy Reid's going to be a zero tempo coach the rest of his coaching career I think this Chiefs offense is going to have enough explosiveness enough downfield targeting uh, to get a lot of big plays, even if they don't have a big volume to kind of just drive it, drive the numbers that way. So Mahomes, you saw from Texas Tech, of course, uh, he kind of actually does a lot of the stuff that Donovan McNabb used to do for Andy Reid, where he's, you know, breaking tackles in the backfield, just chucks it 60 yards really easily. Yep. 
that's really going to be a problem for defenses with Watkins and Hill and Kelsey on the field. Like Kelsey, you know, 30 yards downfield isn't any fun either. Yeah. So I think they're going to have a lot of big plays. I think um, Mahomes is going to be really good, I think. And I would guess that Tyreek Hill leads this team in targets. He's going to get more slot work, more motion generally, because Watkins is going to play the receiver position that gets all the press coverage on the outside. Mm -hmm. There is that risk of him playing like a decoy role like he did with the Rams. That's basically what happened with the Rams. The difference is Goff is afraid to throw downfield because he doesn't have the arm. Mahomes has probably like twice as much. That's what he likes to do. Yeah, so if if that was Mahomes in that Rams offense last year, he's probably throwing it. to Watkins every play. Mm-hmm. So uh, not that it, not that uh, he won't be throwing to Hill quite a lot too, but I think Hill's going to get a lower depth of route, and I think that that means like Hill's going to get more targets. He's going to get more catches, uh, maybe more yards, maybe more touchdowns. But I think Watkins is going to have probably like two more yards per target on him just because of where he's going to be running in the field. In any case. You can get Watkins at a pretty safe wide receiver three sort of price oh, on draft.com wow. right now. Like I've been getting him in the sixth round. I think you can get him in the seventh sometimes. I think he safely projects as a top 25-ish receiver, even if you're low on him. Uh, like I, I would have preferred that he goes somewhere else than Kansas City, but the projections I did, I had him coming out to between 1,100 yards, 1,200 yards, six to eight touchdowns, and he's going to be inconsistent. Like I don't think he's going to be like – a reliable target monster but mm-hmm. i think he will have his explosive games definitely going to be one of targeting him as a gbp guy in dfs this year i think right yeah i mean uh all that all that definitely makes sense i mean he's a he's a guy that um you know i think it's gonna be interesting to see that like that type of receiver in in that offense and now you have a, a quarterback in mahomes that just is so you know, different on almost every so you know, suited level. to Watkins' yeah, skill set. Perfect. So, I mean, I'm I'm really excited to see uh, what Mahomes can do, and obviously, if he you know hits, then I think it's gonna it's gonna be a game changer not only for for Hill and Kelsey, but also for Watkins. Um, I, I've seen tons of quotes this week from from the Kansas City players. They're all really really excited about what they've seen from Mahomes so far. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a big hit. And just real quickly, a lot of people think that Watkins just isn't good and let that go it's not true like he's he's going to turn 25 in uh kind of this summer june and so for his career there's this there's this disappointment this bitterness even about how he hasn't really come through in expectations and it's true he hasn't put up the volume of numbers that we expected but you can kind of pretty easily figure out why it hasn't happened it's the foot injuries it's playing for the buffalo bills and it's playing for a team that didn't uh acquire him early enough to actually implement him into the offense nor have a quarterback who can actually throw the ball where he runs his routes on a per target basis. And like when you adjust for uh, age, especially his numbers have been really, really good, even with all this disappointment. Like, so for uh, so far in his career, his yards per target is 8.8. His touchdown percentage per target is 7.23. Odell Beckham is 8.9 and 7.63 respectively for those two same things. So, he hasn't had the volume, but if you just give him the targets, there's no reason to think he doesn't. The targets are not going to be huge in Kansas City, but they're going to be enough. They didn't pay him $16 million a year to be what the Rams had him as last year. And if he's on the field, I'm sorry, like if he's going to produce. Like Don't, don't misunderstand and think that he's going to be an 800-yard player if he plays 16 games. That's never happening. Right, yeah. I think, I think that there, there is kind of a... Uh, a sort of visceral reaction to to guys to you know fantasy owners getting burned by Watkins over the past couple. No of years. one's picked him more than me, and if I can get over it, yeah, exa- exactly, man. So I mean, uh, the I think that this is an interesting landing spot for him, and I've felt that way since uh, since he ended up inking there. Um, so uh, should be good. Um, let's move on. Uh, we touched on it uh, a little bit ago, but but Jordan Howard, um, he got like that that vote of confidence earlier this week that you know he's still uh our our guy and everything but you you tweeted out that you're you're maybe going to be holding off on trying to acquire shares of him uh right now until at least you see how the draft plays out right because I, we both like jordan howard a lot as a pure runner but as much as i like him and as much as i'm higher on him than most people i don't think he's an ideal fit for the Nagy offense necessarily like i, I can imagine them going into the year perfectly glad to have him but there are some things that they need from the running back position that he can't do. 
Tariq Cohen can do a lot of it. Yeah, but- he's he does have some issues catching the ball. I oh, yeah, he like. does. And, and, you know, like that's something that was kind of something that, that kept Kareem Hunt on the field last year and helped make him, you know, as, uh, you know, big of a fantasy hit as he was. So, I mean, Howard in this offense, I mean, I think there is reasons to be concerned, like you were saying, with, with Cohen, you know, being able to do like the fundamental parts of this offense that maybe Howard can't. Right. Is Howard's a really good pure runner, and they're going to have a use for that in this offense, but they would rather have a really good pure runner who is also a good pass catcher. So if they can get that player in the draft, if it's not too expensive to get that player, I think they'll take him. And if that happens... I mean, Howard's just toast, I think, because he can't, he doesn't have the margin of error to lose, you know, 200 yards from scrimmage. He needs to have all of those rushing shares that he can get because he's not going to make up through it, make up for it through the air. Nope. So um, the, all the fears that people have with Derrick Henry can actually be applied with validity to Jordan Howard. And I'm sure some people are, but in all these drafts I'm doing on draft.com, Jordan Howard's going before Derrick Henry and it just doesn't make any sense like this is you have one concern for this guy not getting a workload because of a pass catching back but not the other and at a quick examination of who these people are it's like yes Jordan Howard is clearly much more vulnerable than Derrick Henry is At, at the very least there's no argument for him going earlier. Right. Yeah, I think that, that there's uh, a potential bottom dropping out here uh, with Howard that, you know, I've kind of been thinking about over the last couple of days, um, kind of inspired by some of your tweets there. So, I mean, it's it's something that definitely like if you if, if you have him in Dynasty, you're a little bit concerned about about where that workload's going to go, especially under a new coaching staff, a new offense. I mean, and you can also just with the way that the draft is set up this year, I mean, they can find a, a runner that can also be uh, totally viable as a pass catcher in that in like the third round. So like that, you know, you mentioned the caveat of just it not being too expensive. They can go ahead and get a totally viable guy that that, that can do it all in the third round. Right, and, and even even undrafted guys or late guys could be a problem because i mean like austin eckler's pop up every year that would be a huge problem for howard uh as it is if if the personnel stays exactly the same i would guess that howard gets like 16 to 18 carries per game but then also only finishes the year with like 20 catches maybe less than that right so he needs that rushing production because that's all that he gets if he's lessened to like an 80 percent projection of the shares that we're presuming right now that probably knocks him to like i don't know the sixth seventh round or something like that he's going in the third i just don't see the the reason to do that right now at least if henry's on the board especially support for this podcast comes from u.s bank when you're looking for a credit card get one that wins awards the u.s bank visa platinum card is NerdWallet's 2021 best of awards winner for best zero percent intro apr and balance transfer credit card It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. All right, so again, uh, pay attention to what the Bears end up doing in the draft should be uh, pretty interesting. But, you know, we got one week to go until uh, until the draft, until uh, round one kicks off. One of the stories, I mean, I think that at this point, uh, some stories are, are maybe like being invented or just oh, rumor, yeah. rumors are just flying all over the place, but one that's kind of caught my eye this week is is this projected slide for Josh Rosen. Um, what is your opinion there? Because I mean, that's something where he's you know he's been in the running for uh, the number one pick for for a little bit. I, I guess Darnold has kind of been more consensus put at number one, but at the same time, Rosen. I haven't seen many mock drafts up until recently where he's anywhere outside the top five, and now it seems like that's something that a lot of people are expecting. Yeah, I don't expect it. I think there are some really stupid scouts, coaches, front office people who probably won't have their jobs much longer who do sincerely think like we can't pick Josh Rosen. He's uh he's 
he's going to be bored in class because uh, he, he's got all these big ideas in his head. Like we, we're supposed to bark orders at him and he's supposed to just grunt like affirmative, do it. He has all these thoughts. We can't deal with that. There are those types of coaches out there. There are those kinds of people in the world, certainly. But with all the just stupidly bad quarterbacks we've seen go super high in drafts, are we really going to believe that this league is not so thirsty for quarterbacks that they'll just say like, ah, whatever. So he's a whatever hipster or something that I don't know what they think he is, but they would just go like, Oh, whatever. So we don't, we don't like him as a person who cares. Like they would rather have, yes, their, their golden yes, sir boy in Josh Allen perhaps. But again, like these are the kind of people who are so dumb, they can't possibly be right very often. So I don't think not that the NFL is a meritocracy. It's far from it. It's more like a cartel kind of thing, but they, you would just think they they have at least enough appreciation for accountability that the kind of guy who looks at Josh Rosen and says like no thank you doesn't get promoted. Yeah, I mean, good lord. I mean, uh, as far as like guys that that um, could start right away and, and succeed, I feel like Rosen's like he's number one in my mind in my mind uh, in that particular context. He's so, going I mean, top five in my opinion. He, he's got to. I, I think that uh, you know if Buffalo doesn't move doesn't move up and or i guess that i i projected buffalo to move up to like number four in the mock draft there's a good chance that happens i i I feel i feel good that they're they're not going to stay put at 12 we'll we'll get further into that uh in a bit but i I do i do kind of believe that at least three quarterbacks go in the top five and up to four you know if if denver and josh allen if that's a real thing but i i think that um rosen ends up in either uh, Buffalo or with the Jets or with the Giants um, and I'd be surprised if he if he doesn't honestly yeah I think I, I don't know what to think about the Giants there's this McShay report today he's saying they're just set on Saquon Barkley and it's like on some level maybe I guess like I guess that is a thing that could happen but why they they, they say they believe Eli Manning 37 bad for a long time already can play three more years you believe them why that's kind of pessimistic i think like to to believe them when they say like i'm this stupid and you just listen to them i mean i mean maybe it's like a just a genuine stupidity where they really do they're like they're they're like okay he's signed up until this point so he's gonna gonna do it so i mean i i think it's something that we've kind of had the scent on uh, since we like started doing this podcast again where it's like they really they really should not they're not in the position to just go ahead and and use the number two pick on a freaking running back but there's enough holes on that roster including the quarterback in an extremely quarterback rich class where they should be spending that equity elsewhere but at the same time Saquon Barkley's pretty cool so I guess they're, they're probably going to do it he uh, I don't know I still am skeptical I can imagine I can imagine saying that if you're the Giants almost as a way to disarm a team from attempting to trade up over you to the Browns and the Browns that there's no indication that they're getting rid of the first pick. Right. Maybe that's only because no one's offered it for it because uh, yeah, if they take Darnold and there's no way to change their mind without a huge trade, then maybe you don't offer the huge trade. But if you're the giants, why not just lie and say, you know, leak all this stuff that about how, Oh, you don't want quarterbacks anyway. No need to worry about us taking a quarterback. Um, so maybe it's, it's more like they have a specific one quarterback that they like a lot and they're just trying to convince, you know, the jets, the bills that they don't need to trade up for the first pick, uh, put their selection at peril. I don't know. But the the thing is, Eli's been terrible for three years. Mm-hmm. He's 37. He's prohibitively expensive, too. They should be thinking about how to cut him, not build around him. And this team, any team should know, like, it's hard to get a quarterback worth picking this high. It, if, if they are worth picking this high, normally you don't have the pick to do it, or you have to trade your next three drafts to get it. Yeah, so the Giants are, like, never here, either. Like, right. they're never in the top five. Right. So, like, when will you get your quarterback if not now? realistically you don't you like three years four years you don't know like you might have to go the whole time just taking stopgap you know crap quarterbacks like not that mccown was bad but like you know the josh mccown of every year for the indefinitely all because you wanted to go all in on eli manning in the form of a running back pick why even a running back why not derwin james like anybody else if not a quarterback then derwin james should be the pick not saquon barkley but um whatever i don't know i think Right now, if I had to call it, I would say Darnold to one. I would say the Giants 
take either Rosen or Baker Mayfield. The Jets take the leftover of that. And I think Josh Allen goes either six to the Bills in a trade-up or 12 to the Bills if they don't trade up. Okay, yeah, because I think that once you get past five, it's very unlikely that a quarterback's going to go in that in that Rosen's little not range. getting past Denver, people. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, good Lord, he shouldn't. Um, it's not happening. He's not getting past Denver. Maybe he gets past the stupid Giants. He's not getting past Denver. I, I hope not, but, uh, you know... Uh, I mean, I am interested to see though what what the Bills end up doing. So, do you think that that moving up to six is something that they're going to try to do? Well, because uh, Indianapolis, I, no I, I wouldn't be shocked if Indianapolis is down to trade down again. Yeah, I think they want to, and uh, it, they have the only, so many roster holes that they should. Right. It's just that I don't know if you can convince the bills that another team is trying to trade up for Allen. I guess if they believe in, and I guess if the Cardinals actually are then the Cardinals would be the next threat to do it. So, right. yeah, I do think Buffalo will try to trade up to six. I guess it's just um, a question of if they need to or, you know, I, I guess there is a chance that Allen could go five to Denver and maybe it becomes moot at that point. But I don't think that's happening. And I don't think uh, really anyone but Buffalo projects well for a Josh Allen pick because, like, you have to really think lowly of these people to think that they do this. Well, uh, I think we we kind of do. I mean, like part of yeah. our like you know our discussion earlier on Sammy Watkins is like why hasn't he been uh, an All Star or you know a Pro Bowler uh, to this point in his career? Like part of it's just being on the Bills. Yeah, and and to be clear, this is a new uh, front office regime that is way worse than the last one. Like That's at least the last why. one was like, uh, let's draft a bad quarterback and Sammy Watkins and Marcel Darius, and these guys are like just the bad quarterback, please. <laughs> and worse than the have, last one yeah we can't have anything else we can't have this quarterback is too good and these guys I, I don't know what i'm gonna do with an all pro level run stopper and a receiver who could perhaps be you know one of the five most talented in the league get it out of here i i have no interest in, in these such things um moving on to an, another team uh that, that i think could trade uh i think number four is an interesting spot I don't think I don't buy into the crazy conspiracy theory that the Browns are just going to like have like a team death match where they where they draft two quarterbacks at one and four and just let them duke it out. I think that that's like one of the more insane theories going around right now. And that I mean, if we're talking about skeptical of being a front office, they're going like, to draft Josh Allen twice. Oh, God, yeah. I don't even know they could do that. But I guess they got they got um, you can just throw them in the in the Cuyahoga River and they just there's two of them all of a sudden. I think the Browns are off Barkley. And I, I don't. Would, I think so too. I don't, I don't know, know why, why I'm saying that either. exactly, but it's like having an interest in Carlos Hyde is so uh, gratuitous. I don't know if if you're if you're even vaguely entertaining the idea of a running back in the first three rounds, let alone the first four picks. Right. So I I don't think they really are in on Barkley. I don't either. I don't think. I think if Barkley doesn't go number two to the Giants, I think you in your mock had him going to, did you have him going to the Tampa, Bucks? Yeah, yeah i think that that's the last place that he would slide to and I, I don't think anyone in between would would do it um so what do you think does happen at number four do you think the browns just uh, take all offers and see what see what happens if nothing's right then they just go with the defensive player what do you so think? everyone says chubb uh, uh, bradley chubb right. and i don't quite see it unless they switch a to a four three and even then like how, how are we in this era where like the NFL, at least recently, has been so heavily defined by Jalen Ramsey, how do we look at Derwin James and go like, mm, I don't know, maybe top 10? It's like th- He's not as easily projected at corner as Jalen Ramsey was, but even if he has to, like, worst case scenario is he's very close as a prospect to Eric Berry. And that's a guy you do take very high, even though he's, he's a, you know, safeties you don't need to take high. He's his own position and he's elite. It, as far as all applicable tasks anything you want him to do anything that needs to be done in the back end of your defense he can do it right you don't worry so much about his title when you're just more so like trying to f- figure out how many ways you can use him at once it's like it's a good problem to have that you don't know exactly what he is all you know is he's good at a lot of different things he's a top top shelf athlete like clearly elite top five percentile type athlete guys like that are worth a lot more than running backs and I think like a strong side edge setting type uh, defensive ends like Bradley Chubb, like Bradley Chubb, 
I think is more likely to go on like a Justin Smith sort of career trajectory than like a uh, Miles Garrett one. Yeah, I don't think he's anywhere, you know, in the same stratosphere as, you know, the the top pass rushing rushing edge guys in either of the last two drafts honestly i think you know like bosa was bosa yeah he's not a bosa level guy at all he's not a miles garrett like i I don't think he's really i think there's like cam jordan or somebody like that yeah it might it might take him a couple years like like cam jordan to to really kind of start to flourish um and you know i I know that pass rushing is one of the most uh, valuable things in the nfl and uh you know you can never have too many good pass rushers but it's like uh He's in Chubb a, at four, though. I'd he's just, a good, not great pass rusher. Like this is—he's not—he's probably not even like a Solomon go get Thomas like a, go level. Go get like at, a freakazoid prospect. Like a like a, if Marcus Davenport is there, at like the top of the second or something. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, there's that, there's a there's a bunch of good edge rushing candidates. It's like someone like Lorenzo Carter. I, don't, I guess Landry isn't likely to fall out of the first, but like there's somebody that they could, and they have enough picks they can trade back up for a third first rounder if they totally. want. So. Yeah, I I I think Chubb's going to be a really good player, but Derwin James is is like high probability all pro type of player at a I think more valuable function too. Yeah, but like just like J- Josh Rosen actually, I've seen you know some uh you know I th- I think like Josh Norris tweeted out that he's seen a bunch of uh mocks recently where where Derwin James is falling, you know, out of the top 10 and it's like that makes on what basis? Almost, almost no sense to me and like if you wanted to do like a him versus Minka Fitzpatrick. <laughs> that is hilarious, right? Oh my god! If someone projected, if Fitzpatrick goes before Derwin James, that's just good, good for you guys, I guess. I mean, like, yeah. I don't, I absolutely uh, do not see that. So, I mean, Dur- Derwin James is just a special talent, and I mean, he's been that way since his freshman year at Florida State. When some people were saying he was better than Jalen Ramsey, I, I still a- wouldn't go that far. But it's like, come on, this guy is can't miss yeah it's almost like the joey bosa thing where like he was too good too early and then people got bored yeah it was like they, they just the only thing that would have psychically pleased them was him being in the nfl the next year and because they had to wait two years they started to resent him for the fact that they had to wait yeah it's good yeah it's uh i feel like ed oliver might get that treatment next year <laughs> yeah just bad ed oliver yeah crap ed by how, uh, how dare October. you dominate from the first from the first second you step on the field in in college Un- unbelievable oh you have 20 tackles for a loss as a true freshman and then you never get to 40 by your junior year lazy lazy yeah just top obviously just topped out but yeah so derwin james i guess, I guess I'm, I'm glad you feel this way about him because i'm like i feel like i'm going crazy that people aren't just saying slam dunk top five pick it's it's yeah i i think i might have i had him at either four to the browns or uh seven to the bucks i think when, when i did my my most recent mock draft um so i there's no way to me that he he falls out of the top 10 and if he does and like the boy that he won't that's just it's really, not happening that's ridiculous um, unless he you know like killed somebody but I, that's I how I that's the only did. way uh sh- he should be fine in that regard so uh hopefully hopefully that's the case at least um but don't and, do it derwin don't, don't do it but um another team that that i've I have had a really hard time figuring out what to do with it in in the mock, and I don't know if you had the same problem. But what's up with the Dolphins at eleven? Like, where where do which direction do they go? Because there are so many deficiencies on that team uh, right now, pretty much across the board. That I can't even really think of one specific area of distinctive strength for them. No. So what do they do? Well, they do usually something wrong. Yes, but. So today I'm trying to find, um, there were a couple of writers today and I know Ben Albright of, uh, Denver something or other. I don't know. He, Benjamin Albright, he's he's a good, uh, source type reporter. And, uh, he was mentioning a link kind of between the dolphins and Rosen. If Rosen is falling past five, which I still don't believe, then yeah, the dolphins would probably be in on that. Like even they can't screw it up. Like, that, uh, how 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 much how much more crazy can this whole scenario be than the point where you get to like well even the dolphins wouldn't screw that up but and then I, you're then thinking I, like the other f- like first six teams would i i saw you know a tweet you know uh, maybe around the same time you did from uh, uh, joe shad right for right about the dolphins now uh, uh i don't former, i think he's like a national guy okay i think he's, he might be state stationed out of miami now but he said who if the dolphins were to draft oh a it is a dolphins now yeah you're right um if he were to draft a quarterback 
you would still be working to be Ryan Tannehill's backup. So, I mean, they're going to spend a, a top In the sense pick. of, like, yeah, I guess, like, you're not going to name the rookie starter, and why not let Tannehill... Like, I don't know how many years Tannehill has left on his contract, I but... I think it's too many. Okay, well, yeah, maybe you let Tannehill play a year just to try to create some trade capital in him. I have no idea, but... Uh, statements like that are a unknowable b like just too easy to misattribute exactly what is being said like maybe they're saying not that he won't start this year but just uh he he won't be named the starter no, going into Hugh, training camp Hugh jackson did the same thing about tyrod too okay just like, yeah he's gonna start well, that one I guess I can believe, but it's it's also just like why would we listen to what anyone is saying right now like i wouldn't I wouldn't talk to a reporter unless I wanted to uh, spread like ridiculous slander or Fair. or just you know b- just bloated stupid lies um but yeah i I guess whatever you hear right now, I don't think is really worth listening to because even the people talking can't know their intentions yeah so i mean i think i think i went the boring route i think i went with like vita vea out of washington the the run stuffing uh interior lineman uh, that fitzpatrick i think would be very in character for the dolphins uh even just something that i don't think makes much sense is what they're likely to do and i i like this class quite a bit there aren't that many guys who i look at in the projected top 15 who i think like anything but positive thoughts on so uh i I guess in that case after the bills the second most likely team to get josh allen must be the dolphins oh man by that reasoning (laughs) so yeah but i still just i think someone someone's gonna pull that trigger in that in those top five picks i don't yeah i mean maybe the dolphins trade up to get them but i think they have to trade up to get them i don't there's there's just no chance rosen falls past five i'm sick of having to pretend this is going to happen yeah all right well we'll just uh yeah we're gonna squash that uh right now drop it todd <laughs> or whoever fault this is all of you <laughs> um let's see uh just you know your kind of gut reaction right now week out how many receivers and how many running backs go in the first round i don't know on the receiver i think i'm cooler on the receiver market than most people i wouldn't be surprised if no receivers go in the first as far as which one would or which one would be the first off the board it's so hard it's a eye of the beholder thing that and uh the personnel of the team in question because it's like well if you already have a slot receiver and you want more like an all sean jeffrey kind of person then you go Cortland sutton obviously but if you already have an all sean jeffrey then maybe you are thinking more about rounding out your slot targets this year and calvin ridley uh, probably grays out the best there if you want an outside guy in other words like if you if you already have a slot receiver and you want an outside guy who's less of like a big body target and more of like a big play threat then you go with dj Moore. and knowing which one goes first is i think just a matter of knowing ahead of time which team is intending to take a receiver first and then you can just look at their roster and be like oh we know where you're going all right so do you think that calvin ridley still goes to the cowboys i don't know if you something like that that that's that would be a very jerry jones thing to do because he's uh going back to their initial like cap crisis in the late 90s uh when they had to cut like all those guys like Deion sanders and all those players Mm -hmm. after cutting Deion sanders as a result of his own as a result of jerry jones's own uh, cap mismanagement he went and drafted three corners i think with his first three picks in the next draft like Dwayne goodrich kareem larimore and uh I don't know, maybe not, or maybe it wasn't the first three mario Ed- edwards in the sixth round was the other one uh with the offensive line exploding like five years ago they picked tyron smith and zach martin in a row travis frederick also mm-hmm. um which that that worked out very well because they were awesome prospects. Yes, but you shouldn't find yourself endlessly in this position of like dog chasing ne- its tail. Yeah, it's like Derek, Jerry Jones like overcompensates and, and inefficiently spends at all these positions, and then one invariably ends up you know like malnourished basically, and then he the next year just like overspends desperately at that one trying to fix it, selling out some other part of his team two or three years from that point. Uh, also, at last year it was Taco Charlton which turned out to be totally unnecessary because Demarcus Lawrence was a beast anyway. Mm -hmm. But that's the kind of bad decision-making that you force yourself into when you're a Jerry Jones kind of person because you're you're an impulsive, uh, just 
kind of, you know, emotional sort of uh, actor. He doesn't look at what he's really doing. And he all he knows now is like, ooh, I cut Des Bryant. And uh, wow, we, we always have a good number 88 and, and with the Cowboys. I got to have a good 88. And like the last couple times when he uh, blew up his receiver reserves too, there was the time he spent two first-round picks to get Joey Galloway, two first-round picks to get Roy Williams. He's probably going to overspend and reach at receiver. It's a question of does he start in round one or not. Okay. Um, I still feel like at 19, any of those any of those guys are, are fine, in my opinion, I guess. But I would guess Ridley or more. I don't think it would be Cortland. I don't think Cortland Sutton a is a Jerry Jones redundant. kind of pick. I think he wants a big school guy. Even though Sutton went to school in his neighborhood? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I guess I, I don't know. Emotionality here. Well, the thing is, it's Jerry Jones is a former Arkansas guy and he's drawn, drawn toward like the big schools. I yeah. think uh, like he was drawn toward like Felix Jones at running back a few years ago when Chris Johnson was in the same draft. And uh, what, what else? Um, and like the, he, he's drawn more likely to like a Texas Longhorns like Roy Williams than I think than I think uh, Cortland Sutton at SMU. But I got you. maybe not. I mean, he, I guess he remembers back eric dickerson days and stuff like that so maybe he still thinks smu is like a powerhouse or something i have no idea very possible but yeah i don't i don't really think they would go after Cortland sutton also because they've got uh, i guess terrence williams isn't exactly a big receiver but um i also don't know what they think internally about ryan switzer like it seems like they're bored of cole beasley i can't tell if they think switzer's worth anything but if they end up deciding they want a slot guy i would say ridley is the pick if they want an outside guy, I guess I would consider Sutton more likely than more because it's like Maryland doesn't have the uh, institutional prestige to they got them ugly helmets. Yeah, he's like, where's that? And like, whereas SMU, he's like, oh yeah, I know where that is. Yeah, I, I ride my bike there every morning. He's a good kid, SMU. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. I my my guess still at this point is that um is that the Cowboys end up going with the receiver. I think yeah. I think there's like upwards of three, but no more than three going in the first round as far as the receivers go. I've seen some mocks, and I've been doing more thinking. I think there's a pretty decent chance that Barkley's the only running back that goes in the first. I think Geis goes to probably Washington. the Panthers. Panthers, okay. But, uh, yeah, I don't I, – I w- see, I, I don't know what to – exactly think of the running backs because it's like i like all of these ones that we're talking about in the first round but why would i take saquon barkley at seven if i could take nick chubb at like 45 or something like that and i like geis a lot too i think he's going to be totally good yeah as a first round pick but it's it's just one of those and i would prefer geis at like 25 to barkley at seven also so um it's like on one level on some level it seems inefficient use of resources and there are enough good players at more valuable positions, especially like on the edge, uh, edge defenders and especially corner, but cornerbacks also safety too. Yep. really good class, not getting much attention for it, but I think it's a really good safety class. But um, yeah, Geis, I think especially makes sense for a team like Carolina because Herney's back and you know, he loves draft running backs like just endlessly Yeah, that and weak side linebackers. Take so him, take him back to his Jonathan Stewart drafting dimes. Yeah, when you already have D'Angelo Williams, that you spend a first round. You got to spend a first round pick on Jonathan Stewart and give five million a year to Double some down. fullback who also plays running back for some <laughs> reason. So yeah, I guess uh, it's like Christian, and it, it makes a little sense, more sense at least this time than last time because McCaffrey is not going to be a even fifteen carry running back. No, in my we saw, we saw that last year. Like that that guy basically, yeah he he shouldn't even carry the ball like more than 10 times I don't yeah i think that's like the ideal thing is you get him to like eight to ten carries get him you know five to six targets a game and you have guys do the real running back stuff yeah i could i could see them they would be a decent fit there i think they could also it'd be vicious wait, actually wait. i think that would be tight. i mean i i mean we both love guys but it's like in a cam newton offense too it's like that it's a little easier to run when you got the the contain being spread thin by by newton's threat of breaking the contain so yeah guys Everybody's talking about him like Marshawn, like he's Marshawn Lynch, which is interesting because in my head I'm picturing like a huge big playback, you know, like someone really explosive, even though he's at 225 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think he's going to be more like a Corey Dillon kind of player in the NFL, where it's like he just has some games where he's just going insane. Um, I don't think he's going to be more. I don't think he's going to be like a 20 carry, 90 yard 
one or two touchdown guy. I think he's going to be like 180 yards three times a year kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he'll just like, it'll be like those Darius guys weeks where, where like he, he ends up just goes bonkers. You know, whoever had the best guys lineup is the one that, that ends up winning. Um, but again, I, I also think it, it wouldn't be too crazy for the, the Panthers to go at receiver either. Um, but the way that, the way that things went with Curtis Samuel, I was pretty discouraged by, and like I think he's still dealing with with something uh, medically. I, I don't want to misspeak, but is, is his ankle a little bit? Uh, messed um, up or something but. i can't remember the specific but yes it is something of a lingering concern it's like they they're saying he'll be fine for training camp if i remember right but i'm trying to pull up his- i still just think that even even if he, you plug him back in i i think he's best served in a in a gadget type of capacity or you know something a little bit more um you know specific type of packages i think they need a, a more legitimate receiving threat consistently uh across from Devin Funches. So I thought that DJ Moore still makes a little bit of sense for them too. But guys also, I like your guys' argument as well. Well, I, I guess I'd be surprised if the Panthers took a receiver again because it's Herney. And it's it would be so Herney to trade for Torrey Smith and be like, all right, we're set at receiver for five years now. Oh. Cam Newton doesn't need any help because that's what they've always done. They've always just been like, ah, oh, Cam is going to be fine. He doesn't need receivers. He's a good Apparently runner. He's no line. Yeah, um, so they have Funches on one side, Smith on the other. I like Jarius Wright, actually. I think he's a good player who's been overlooked. Um, he's, he's always been productive at Arkansas and with the Vikings before, but he's going to be like their slot guy. Mm-hmm. And it looks like there's not even necessarily snaps for Curtis Samuel right now, even if he does get on the field. So um, I don't know what his condition is. I don't know where it's going or anything, but I agree with you. I wouldn't have even moved him from running back. I think if anything, like he should be playing the role that a McCaffrey plays and there's not enough room for two McCaffreys in an offense. Yeah. I think that that's a fair point, fair way of putting it. Um, all right. So that's going to, that's going to wrap things up uh, for this installment of the Rotowire NFL podcast. We are going to be back next Wednesday with one more getting you set uh, for round one of the NFL draft, draft meltdown it's gonna, episode. It's going to be totally bonkers dudes. So check back up with us next week for that one for mario puig i'm john mckechnie thanks for listening whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring this podcast unified healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by energy enhancement system or ee system if you haven't heard of the ee system you'll want to listen up this technology promotes wellness deep relaxation purification and rejuvenation at hundreds of locations across the globe access to a center is easy and affordable interested in experiencing the ee system technology for yourself Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.